Welcome to NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, Anthony Resnick directing behind the scenes. I'm Brian Samudio. Uh, I, I, I can see a little twinkle in the eyes of one Alex Margulies. Uh, when you wake up to snow in northern Nevada, and I mean, we got, I got nearly a foot here at, uh, up in the northwest. Alex, uh, you're the expert, man. You've been following this really closely because obviously you are the skier of our bunch. Uh, but this storm hit kind of weird and northwest Reno actually got as much as some of the ski resorts. Yeah, it was pretty crazy uh, looking at some of the reports like uh, North Star is 11 inches uh, down at Kirkwood, which is right on the crest, uh, 11 inches south of there is where they got really nailed. Talking about like Mammoth and, and uh, Dodge, they got almost two feet uh, with just this first wave. Uh, but then you look at Northwest Reno and they had a foot of snow. Uh, but then you go on the east side of the lake, Mount Rose saying 22 inches. So it's a, a little bit of a strange deal how this whole thing set up. There must have been a, some different bands. You know, that kind of fired up in, in different parts of this storm. But, you know, this is the most significant storm that we've had all year. And it's something that we have been really waiting for. Uh, even after that pop yesterday, I think we're looking at maybe 45% of average uh, up in the mountains. So this is desperately needed, you know, for uh, many different reasons. And, uh, you know, from what I'm looking at and, and what people are forecasting, it looks like this is just the beginning. And as we get into uh, later tonight and then all day tomorrow, uh, basically until Friday morning, uh, we're looking at a couple more feet and, and a decent amount more snow here in the Valley. So, you know, get your shovels out, get your, uh, get your stretching in and, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy some time uh, out there in the snow. I know Chris, uh, any snow, snowman uh, building going on yet? We actually didn't get any snow yesterday. That's None. The thing like school was canceled. So we figured there was a lot of snow coming. Uh, I got a text from my brother in the morning saying that they got 11 or 12 inches they're up in Northwest. My parents got about four inches in Gardnerville. We, we have not gotten any snow as we taped this show over the last day. So that's what I'm saying. That's so weird how that could happen <laughs> like that. Very weird. We do have, you know, some snow in the backyard from uh, over the weekend. So we could do some snowman action, but we are waiting for tomorrow a little bit more. If school gets canceled, then I'll spend the day outside or part of the day outside with the kids building a snowman and uh, I'll put some pictures up. Uh, drop the kids off at my place here in Northwest Reno. I get the what's in the driveway. I'll make grilled cheese sandwiches or something like that. And then some chicken soup and we'll make sure they're all bundled up because I've got some serious shoveling on my hands. Uh, I mean, my neighbor across the street, I, I think he cheated a little bit. I don't know him that well. Uh, it's a younger couple. They, they hired a snowblower this morning. This crew showed up with a snowblower and buzzed the whole thing. I'm like, come on, man, get out there shovel your own snow but I, i'm sure after i shovel i'll be like i'm hiring a snowblower next time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, good show for you today hall of fame zero players voted into the hall of fame and um one candidate now being very very uh very open about his opinions and has been for years uh what what he wants the, the hall of fame to do with his ballot we'll get into Murray's mailbag uh pizza what's your favorite pizza in reno we're going to kick that around and have a lively discussion on uh on social media Yesterday, and uh, a seven-footer is now officially a member of the Silver and Blue. We'll talk about Will Baker and her, what uh, Coach Alton thinks of him. But uh, start off with the uh, Wolfpack men's basketball present team that, uh, that is on the floor right now. And guys, Desmond Cambridge has been as advertised. We talked about the two scores that could come in being Grant Sherfield and Desmond Cambridge Jr. Uh, Alex, um, when, you saw, when you saw Cambridge step on campus, there was always the anticipation coming from, coming from Brown. And, you know, we knew that he could score but he really has been so much more than just points. Yeah, you know, he's really uh, had some great development even during the season. You know, he got off to a really slow start and, and you know, um, Coach Alford and, and Des talked about, you know, that long layoff of not playing 
really affecting him. But once he got comfortable and once he just started to relax and just kind of letting the game happen, um, things really started to fall for him. He, he's a really good three-point shooter uh, when he's on. Um, what was it? Seven threes in a game earlier this year, which was super impressive. Uh, he's been a little streaky. Um, but when he's on and, and he's knocking down the outside shots and he's getting rebounds uh, at his size, you know, he's very active on the, on the glass, which I think has been helpful for Nevada. You know, he's been good on the defensive end. So, yeah, I think he has been pretty close to what uh, I think Wolfpack fans and, and what the coaching staff and what Des expected of himself when he got to Nevada. But I think the exciting thing about him is I, I do think there is still a lot of room for growth. I think he can get better. And I think that is, you know, pretty scary to teams in the Mountain West as you look at, Dez Cambridge getting better as you look at Grant Sherfield getting better and you look at adding more pieces in the mix, you know, kind of like you talked about uh, with Baker, a seven footer Nevada is going to get in next year and, 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 and Patterson who they're going to get in uh, maybe this year, probably not, but more likely next year. So, um, you know, when you look at the core pieces and, and Des Cambridge next year as a senior being a real focal point of that uh, you have to be pretty excited about it. Chris, anytime you can get a brand new player in, open them up, open them up, break them out of the box and they, they average 15 points and four and a half uh, rebounds per game for you at the guard position. He started all 17 games. Uh, what have, what's been your assessment of, uh, of uh, Cambridge so far? Yeah, he's played well and he had some versatility, he, you know, plays really hard on defense. He rebounds, he'll get, you know, two and a half assists per game. Um, you know, I think Nevada would like him to be a little bit more efficient. Uh, you know, he's basically getting a point for every shot attempt. He doesn't get to the free throw line quite as much as you'd like for a guy who's as athletic as he has, hasn't finished around the rim or really taken it to the rim all that much. I mean, he's averaging eight and a half uh, three-pointers per game, basically, and like six uh, shots inside the arc. So, I mean, he's still been a really good player. I mean, after that slow start, as Alex mentioned, I mean, he's averaging 18 points per game over the last 12 games, and he's shooting 41% from the field, uh, 40% from three. So while you'd like it to be a little bit more efficient, Nevada just needs scoring from somebody. So you need to give Desmond Cambridge 15 shots per game and hope that he, get, that he gets on one of those hot streaks and gives you five or six three-pointers. Now, maybe next year his role changes a little bit, as Nevada gets more versatile scoring with the addition of Patterson and Baker and Warren Washington has another year and Zane Meeks has another year. But right now they do need to just feed him and kind of live and die with the hot streaks, but he's definitely been Nevada's second best player this season. And um, you know, he's, he's, pretty much given you what you thought you were going to get when you look at the Brown numbers. Obviously it's a big jump from the Ivy league to the mountain West, but he's, he's putting up very similar stats. And, and when you can make that jump and kind of be what you were at a lower division, um, you know, I think if you're Nevada's coaching staff, you have to be really happy, not only with his play, but like I said, he does play really hard. So there's never any question about the effort. Even if the team is down, he kind of rallied them out of that 20 point hole against Wyoming with some, you know, tough defense, strong defense, and just, uh, you know, kind of a mentality of, you know, we're just going to play for 40 minutes. And if we don't come back, we don't come back. But I'm, I'm going to give it everything I have, which is what he's done this season. Nevada Sportsnet Shannon Kelly caught up with Desmond Cambridge. Here's part of her interview with the junior guard. Desmond, it's your first year playing games again. Uh, first year playing now with the silver and blue. Just what's it been like to be out there competing again? No, it's really just been a surreal feeling, you know, um, after after the 630 days that I've been off, um, it's it's an amazing feeling just to be out, back out there on the court. You know, it's a lot different from working out and practicing every day versus the same guys. Now I get to go out there, play the game that I love. So it's a great feeling. What was just that feeling like when you were able to get those emotions out that I'm playing this sport that I love and that I haven't been able to compete in in more than a year? You know, it was kind of reassuring because, you know, during this long hiatus, it just felt like, you know, I'm just 
going through the going through the motions, repetitions every day, every day. And then when I finally got to play, just like, wow, this was this is what it was all worth it. This this was it all for. So you know, it just makes you makes you. I don't know. I'm grateful for you know the opportunity to play. So I'm just super excited. What are some of your first memories of basketball? Um, you know, so I started playing when I was around three. Um, me, me and my siblings, we we all played on the same team, and so my dad actually coached us. And there was me, my older brother, uh, my younger brother, who's younger by two years, and my younger sister, and they're the same age. So there were four of us all on the same little rec league team. So that would probably be my earliest memory basketball. So you all pretty much, your dad pretty much had a starting five there on his team, and it was all of his kids. <laughs> uh, I always, I always tease him about that, and he said, "Yeah, that was his goal to get a starting five, so he didn't need anyone else to make a team." <laughs> How many siblings do you have? I have eight. I have eight real siblings, six step siblings. They got married into the family maybe six or seven years ago, but now we're all family, and so fourteen of us, fourteen strong. So, yeah. Big family. Yeah, that is a big family. And you all play basketball or no? Out of those eight, seven of us do. And it was first all eight, but then he just switched to soccer recently. But now seven of us still play basketball actively. And yeah, yeah, we just love it. What was it like having your dad as your coach at a young age? Um, I definitely think it was super beneficial just because he played the game himself. He played collegiate basketball at Alabama A&M. And so, you know, he just, you know, instilled everything that he knew and into us. And, you know, it just got us better. Um, but it also came with his downsides because he's your dad and he can say whatever he want. And, you know, it, get, it gets kind of tough because he's your biggest critic. But that's what you want if you want to be good. Do you think he's been one of the most influential people in your basketball career so far? My basketball career, I would definitely say, yeah, he's definitely the top two, top two right there. And so, yeah, he's definitely been a big part. Who's that other person then? Um, I'd probably say <laughs> – to be honest, it's not, it's not even just – one simple person. He he's definitely the most uh, single influential person. But um, I like taking a bunch of things from a bunch of people, and so I feel like that's the way you get best the quickest. But my dad is definitely the biggest single influential person on my basketball career. Yeah. What was it like just being able to play with your siblings growing up? I mean, that's not someone. That's not something that everyone has the opportunity to do. I think. It was super fun and super competitive because me and my brother are really close in age and close in height and weight. And so, you know, we would do everything together and we're always trying to win and um, just be better than um, the other one. And so um, that really like drive me and him to be, um, be become who we are today. And so, you know, it definitely comes with that competitive spirit and a lot of fights go on. Yeah. A lot of fights on the court? And off the, court. off the court, you know, <laughs> that's that competitive nature. And uh, especially when you're the oldest and um, your little brother's always uh, looking up to you and wants to be as good as you, um, he will start a lot of fights. So, you know, I just, I just take the prices, you know. 
So when you were looking to transfer from Brown, what stood out to you about Nevada? Um, the coaching staff originally with Coach Alfred, um, you know, he's just a prolific name, knows the game, he's played played all over and all at all levels. So I knew I would get the right instruction here. And then when I actually um, made my visit, um, the facilities were amazing. It was everything I needed to, um, you know, keep working on my game, stay happy, be content with where I'm at. And um, and then the view, the view, I was not expecting that. The mountains are so beautiful. And, um, you know, the snow stays up there year round, just about. And so that anytime I need a little pick me up, I just go outside and look at the mountains because it's really a great view. Yeah, mountains are probably not something you were used to seeing growing up in Nashville. Oh, not at all. Um, <laughs> they, they treat, they, I, I didn't know that it was going to be this cold when it came, when I came here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that I was, I was escaping the Northeast to try to go somewhere warm. And, you know, when I got it, when I came here in the summer, it was super warm, but I didn't know the winters got this cold. So, <laughs> but I'm just glad we haven't had one of those crazy winters like I've been hearing about um, with the snow piling up so let's stay warm let's stay warm probably not yet probably not yet since you've been don't don't jinx yourself but (laughs) uh what was your first thoughts of Nevada had you ever been to the state of Nevada before um I I visited Las Vegas one time for a uh, basketball tournament but that was it um I never I never even been anywhere in the west coast besides that one trip so I just wanted to come over here, um, you know, see what see what this other country is like, you know, just experience something new. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different here than Vegas. There's still mountains there too, but you have the snow here, which you don't have in Vegas. But I guess in the Northeast, you're pretty you're used to the snow there. I can assume. Yeah, it, it definitely got cold up there, and so yeah. yeah. <laughs> <A little> too- <laughs> Um, what do you miss most about home? Um, you know, probably just being around my family. Um, you know, at first when I got to college, I was, I was happy to get away from there, you know, have some, you know, independence, you know, going to college, you know, but now, you know, I just miss them and yeah. And the warm weather, the warm weather. That's why that's my top two. Walk me through the transfer process and just what that was like for you. Um, it was definitely, definitely a wild ride. Um, I was shopping around schools, talking to coaches, you know. Um, I had a good two years before, and so, you know, I could I was getting calls from everywhere, and it was just – this was like my real recruiting journey because during high school, I wasn't highly recruited. And so this was like a whole new um, atmosphere for me. And um, it, was, it was strange because, you know, I was new to it. I was by myself in college, and, you know, it, I was just taking it all in and just trying to, trying to, I don't know, navigate through all this, all the chaos that was going on. And so Nevada and Coach Alfred were one of the, First, all right, so I had one wave of recruiting. I had three schools that I had that I wanted to go to. And then end up all three of those falling through. Uh, something happened um, with each of those individually. So I had to reopen my um, recruitment. And um, Nevada 
was the first one um, that reached out to me after that. And um, when I visited, I, I didn't even see anything else. So this is where I wanted to need to be. So it just all seemed to kind of fit, fit into place when you got here, yeah. it just seemed like everything aligned a little bit maybe? Yeah, because I, I was just, I, I knew what I wanted. I, I, and I wanted to go to a couple schools, but it, it really didn't matter where I, where, where I went. It was just the opportunity that presented itself and what was going to be the right, um, the right atmosphere for me to be in, for me to excel to my greatest potential. And so I thought that would be here. And then last year, under the NCAA transfer rules, having to sit out a year, what was that like for you? Um, not gonna lie, that was probably the hardest year of my life. Um, just, you know, taking the thing that I love away from me for so long. And, you know, just pra practicing, practicing and working out is totally different from uh, playing the games. And then, you know, so I was just telling myself every day, you know, day by day, day by day, 1% every day, just keep um, um, striving for your goal. And then with this year being uh, the COVID year and with us not having fans, that really is like I went up a step ahead, but still not where I want to be because, you know, I play for the fans and they I, I, they feel me, like I drive off the energy. And so, you know, it's still we're still a step ahead. So, you know, can't complain, I'm still happy. What do you think you learned about yourself as a person during that time last year when you weren't, you know, playing a typical traditional basketball season sitting out? Um, I definitely had a lot of time to self-reflect, you know, just think think on things, think why I do things, think why things happen, you know, just because I had so much time on my hands besides basketball and school. So, you know, um, I would say probably the biggest thing is just that I learned about myself would probably – Like just knowing myself, being honest with myself, you know, because when you're young, you think you do everything right. You know everything. And um, I just had to learn. Um, I had to humble myself and uh, know that other people can teach you things. Um, and you can learn from any situation at any given time. Because, you know, that's just how life works. And, um, everything is applicable to a bunch of different things. So you just got to take what you learn and um, try to use it to put you in a good position wherever you're at. So. Who do you try and model your game after? Man. All right. So first, first before I came here was Kobe Bryant. He's um, rest in peace, but he was the best player ever. And that was my favorite player. But um, as, as the game progressed and as the game is changing, I've been trying to, I've been watching, you know, CJ McCollum, Kevin Durant, all, all types of players who just, you know, are elite scores and just get to this spot. And so keep it simple and make shots. So, Would you say is that one of your biggest mottos is to just keep it simple? Um, that as of late, that now I'm trying to keep it simple, let the game come to me and just um, use, use the things that I'm really good at to um, elevate my game. What have you learned from Coach Alford and his staff just in your time here so far? The biggest thing is finding out what's a pretty shot. Because when I came here, I told him, I told Coach Alfred that um, I like to be pretty with my shots. You know, like Kobe Bryant, when he shoots the ball, he fades away, doing all doing all the things, doing all the things he does that makes him great. And so, you know, 
with me watching him, I would naturally imitate that. And uh, when I got here, he would tell me, if you would stand in your shot and land right where you land, you would make a lot more shots, a lot more shots. And he's been right. So I've just been trying to, uh, you know, cause he was a shooter, so he's a shooter. So, you know, he can shoot. So I've just been trying to, um, every shot that I shoot, stay on balance, hold my follow through and stay in it. Cause more, more times than not, it's gonna go in. If I get, get a shot like that. Thank you to Shannon Kelly. Her part of her interview uh, that, uh that aired on uh, Wolfpack All Access. Uh, I've been able to talk to Chris a little bit about this. Alex, coming up, the rivalry, UNLV, it's just not going to feel right without fans in the stands. No, it just, it does change things, doesn't it? And I was saying that uh, a few days ago, just, you know, Nevada obviously needing to bounce back and you don't necessarily have that same kind of juice that you would in a rivalry game when you've got the fans, whether you're on the road and you're uh, in a very hostile environment or whether you're at home and you're in, in a very hostile environment uh, going the other way. So, um, you know, the, the players will have to find a lot of internal kind of inspiration like they have had to do all year. So it's it's really no different than what they've done. But, you know, Nevada's definitely had UNLV's number as of late. And, um, you know, if they want to get a first round by in the Mountain West Tournament, they're going to have to continue uh, to have the Rebels number. And these these could be two very important games as you look at, um, you know, the West of the way the schedule shapes up and, and how many uh, challenging games there are going to be for Nevada between now and March. You know, these are definitely two games that Nevada wants to come away with a sweep. Chris, the weird thing is you look up and down this roster when it comes to this rivalry. All right, active player, the guy that's maybe seen the floor the most against the Rebels is Robbie Robinson. But honestly, the guy that probably knows the most about the rivalry is Gabe Bansuelo, who is the walk-on from Bishop Minogue. Um, it, it's just kind of weird to not have guys that have gone through three or four battles with the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, not many. I mean, Zane Meeks, if he does play this week, obviously he's, he hasn't played the last three games. Uh, Kane Milling played a little bit last year in that overtime game. So not a ton of experience. And UNLV is playing better. They face Utah State tonight, but they beat Utah State, which is a fringe NCAA tournament team uh, on Monday. So, you know, they've won uh, four games in a row. They're, uh, you know, playing really, really strong defense. So, uh, you know, they had that month layoff because of COVID. It seems like Nevada's going to get the best punch from UNLV in this series. And uh, just like you said, there's not a lot of experience really either way. Uh, I mean, you look at UNLV's roster as well, and they got a lot of new players. They do have a Reno native and Mo Wood, um, who actually had the game winning block against Utah State uh, on Monday and also scored 10 points with six rebounds. So he's got some experience, certainly, with his dad, David, playing for the Wolfpack. But uh, a lot of fresh faces in this series as we have two second year coaches who are kind of building their rosters from scratch. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys will see playing this rivalry the next couple of years. I mean, Grant Sherfield's still got three years left and all of that. Um, but for this season, you know, not a ton of experience in this specific game for both of these teams. All right, coming up next are an MSN Daily. Uh, a rarity when it comes to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Zero players voted in and one candidate making his voice heard. We'll talk about that next. Well, uh, for the first time uh, since uh, the uh, mid-2000s, uh, we did not see a, a player elected into the into the Hall of Fame. It, last time it didn't happen was 2013. Before that was 1996. It's only happened nine times since 1936. Uh, Chris, let's start off with you. Um, did you see anybody on this list that uh, that you thought was was snubbed, or is this is this a blue blood old writers group of writers who are saying no to the steroid era? Uh, no, I mean I'm not surprised by the results because there's pretty accurate uh, tracking of public ballots and. I'm kind of mixed on it. Like Barry Bonds is clearly a Hall of Famer, but am I supposed to feel sorry for him for cheating and not getting into the Hall of Fame? Same with, you know, 
Roger Clemens, uh, same with Manny Ramirez, same with Sammy Sosa. Like I saw a lot of outrage against the writers yesterday because they didn't put anybody in. It's like, are they supposed to just look the other way for people cheating during the game? Maybe they are. I don't know. Like I would vote for those guys because I don't know who was taking steroids and how much that helped them. I would guess there are multiple steroid users already in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you saw suspicions among guys like Mike Piazza or Pudge Rodriguez or Jeff Bagwell. And they still got voted in. So, um, you know, I personally would have allowed all of those guys in, but I don't feel sorry for them for not getting into the Hall of Fame when they were clearly uh, violating not only MLB rules at some points, but also, uh, you know, you're not allowed to use steroids just in America generally. So, um, you know, it's disappointing that it's come to this uh, and that the arbitrators have to be the baseball writers. Now, I feel Badly that people like Tony LaRusso, who clearly welcomed it into his clubhouse with the A's in the 1980s era in, or Bud Selig, who presided over the steroid era, is in. So there's a double standard there. But you know, I don't feel too badly for guys who, who doped and, and aren't getting in as a result. Alex, where you come down? I think it's a great argument by Chris. I mean, you, you can't argue with, you know, obviously the numbers that some of these guys put up. But everyone knows what happened. Um, but at the same time, like how many guys are in that did do the same thing? And so I think for me, I think you need to have those guys in the Hall of Fame. I think they're, they're whether it's a, um, a stain or not, you know, it's, it's part of baseball's history, right? And I think there's a way of maybe doing it where they're into the Hall of Fame, but maybe there's players and you pick a, a time period and it's like, you know, kind of acknowledging like, hey, some of these numbers might be a little bit skewed because it was during an era where there was rampant use of steroids. Um, but yeah, that's gotta be a little upsetting. I think if you're, um, you know, some of these players and you do see a Bud Selig in the hall of fame and you see a Tony LaRusso and guys that, uh, clearly were, were just as involved in what was going on as some of these players, uh, yet they kind of get the pass. Right. So that's kind of, kind of bizarre to me. You know, I'm, I'm a big, uh, obviously proponent, I'm a giants fan. So, you know, I, I want to see Barry Bonds in the hall of fame. I think, you know, what he did to the game was, was just amazing. And I, I loved watching him and he, he's obviously a hall of fame player. Um, but it's, it's, you know, baseball is interesting, right? It's, it's a little full of itself at times. Uh, there's a lot of double standards, a little bit different rules and whatever. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out and whether those guys actually do get in before their time's up. Well, one player who has always been very, very uh, uh, opinionated and is not afraid to, to make his uh, his thoughts known is uh, Kurt Schilling, the former um, World Series MVP. He's got 216 wins, three World Series titles, um, saying he wants his name off the ballot, his final year of eligibility. The quote is, um, quote, I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter, end quote. Chris, as a journalist, how do you take that? I mean, we've, we've heard Schilling say some things in the past that have been like, all right, come on. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he advocated for lynching journalists. So, uh, you know, I don't think journalists have a soft spot in their heart for him. I also don't think they're going to take him off the ballot. He doesn't dictate that. Uh, the Baseball Writers Association already said that they're not going to plan on doing that. So he has one more year left on the ballot, as does Barry Bonds, as does Roger Clemens. I don't think any of those three will get in with the traditional voting. But actually, more people have been put into the Hall of Fame with these veteran committees and these smaller committees, which are made up of 16 people. You need 12 votes. It's typically old coaches or old players. Um, I think the writers have actually done a much better job uh, than the Veterans Committee. Like the Veterans Committee just put in Harold Baines into the Hall of Fame. And nobody thinks Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, but he had his old coaches and his old teammates 
plates on that veterans committee. So he was able to get onto the thing. Um, you know, I don't feel bad for Chris Schilling. I would vote for him. I don't agree with a lot of his takes. I think a lot of what he said over the last decade has been horrible, um, but that doesn't really, you know, weigh into what kind of player he was. So I, I would, I would give him the pass and put him in. He's a six time all-star, but again, another guy I don't feel necessarily bad for. Alex, what do you think? You know, I think, um, there are, I, I, I don't know, I'm not going to give any examples off the top of my head because I really don't know, but if I can imagine there's probably, I don't know, dozens of, of players in the Hall of Fame that at points in their life, like going back to like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, probably said a lot of things uh, that people probably didn't like and didn't agree with and maybe politically or, or uh, socially um, maybe isn't what everyone liked to hear. Yet they're in the Hall of Fame. And I think the Hall of Fame is, is it's like, it's for, I agree that it's supposed to be about like you being a player, right? It's supposed to be what you did on, on the field. Granted, I understand, you know, wanting to keep some sort of quote unquote, I don't know, integrity, whatever you want to call it. If, if that's even like a legit thing when it comes to the hall of fame, again, I think that it comes back to a lot of this, like baseball being a little full of itself. Um, but he's a hall of fame player. I mean, he's one of the best pitchers over the last 20 years. Um, you know, his, his numbers speak for themselves. And, you know, I think ultimately he probably will get into the Hall of Fame. It's interesting uh, that he's asking for his name to be removed. And I think that's kind of like that slight against the, the writers and stuff of like, I don't care what a bunch of dudes sitting behind keyboards uh, and notepads think about my career. I want to, you know, be in, enshrined by the people that were my peers uh, in, 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 in that sense. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Kurt Schilling, as you said, guys, I mean, obviously is not afraid to say what is on his mind and, and is not as afraid to say what his opinion is and, and his uh, mind, his heart, whatever. And, uh, you know, that's his, that's his choice. That's his free speech. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, it's been a, a very, uh, you know, it's been an interesting drama. Maybe you didn't expect to see from a Kurt Schilling when he was pitching, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you probably didn't see that this is the way things were going to go for him uh, come time, you know, at the Hall of Fame, that these would be the kind of discussions we'd be having around his career. People can get saltier with age. It just, it, it happens. <laughs> Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we'll dive into Murray's mailbag after the break. It's Wednesday. That means it's time for Murray's mailbag. Every Sunday, Chris opens up the mailbag on Twitter, at by Chris Murray, if you want to follow him on Twitter, to answers. Your questions. This one was about what five thousand words, four thousand between four and five thousand, right, Chris? Yeah, right at the top there, right around five thousand. Five thousand. Let's dive in with Nevada Pack fan Damon. Uh, is Nevada a football or a basketball school, Chris? I mean, I think the athletic department was built on football. It wouldn't be where it is without football. But you look at the last 20 years, I think it's pretty obvious that Nevada has been much better at basketball. Um, they've invested more into basketball. They've had $2 million coaches in basketball and none in football. Uh, you know, they've invested into a practice facility in basketball. They haven't done so in football. They've drawn a lot better in terms of attendance in basketball than football. And they've won a lot more. I mean, they have more than 10 conference championships in the last 20 years. Uh, whereas you look at the football team, they only have two. So uh, I think everything is trending toward this being more of a basketball school than a football school currently over the last 20 to 25 years they've been able to send coaches up to the next level uh, as well they've had uh, three coaches get up to the power five level in basketball um, so I would say it's a basketball school at this moment yeah it's kind of trending in that direction isn't it Alex yeah I mean I think Nevada wants to be a football school because that's where the money is and that's how you really have long-term success as an athletic department and maybe Nevada becomes a football school in the next five ten years if they can continue the trajectory that they're on and, and really make that big stride this year, maybe go and win a Mountain West championship, you know, try and get into those new year six games. That's how you kind of change yourself. But 
when you look at the success, I mean, Nevada has had far more national success in basketball. I mean, getting to two sweet 16s is incredibly difficult to do uh, from where Nevada comes from and, and the resources they have available and all those different things. So I think when you just look at that success and the way that people support basketball when it's good and, and you know, the excitement for it, I think you'd have to kind of lean basketball at this point. Uh, to moving on to Thomas Green, Thomas uh, always throws a lot of questions in the mailbag and he makes the show once again. But if you throw like 10 darts at a dartboard or the, the balloons at the tournament, you're going to hit a balloon. Uh, will any career quarterback or player ever match TB12's success? Alex is saying, uh, of course, not ready. I don't know. I think that's tough. Like you'd like to say yes, just because people always evolve and they become more, you know, they're, they're younger and, and have better training and, and all those different things. But what Tom Brady has done is just insane. You know, at, at his age, uh, 40 plus and still competing like this, I, I'm not sure if we'll ever see this again. Chris? I mean, not from a championship pedigree. I mean, he's going to his 10th Super Bowl. He's won six. You're not going to see another quarterback do that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is great, but very soon he's going to be taking up $40 million of the salary cap. And this is just not a sport that's designed to allow your team to have that many offensive stars when that guy's taken up that much of the cap. Now, Brady took a lot of pay cuts to surround himself with really good players. And, um, you know, there's no quarterback that's coming around that's playing in 11 Super Bowls and winning seven of them. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be Tom Brady is going to be the most accomplished NFL player ever, if not athlete ever, just given how difficult it is to have dynasties in the NFL, unlike the NBA, where you see guys win five or six championships. You just don't see that in the NFL. Uh, so Tom Brady stands alone, and I think he will always stand alone in terms of that. Our final question coming right out of our own newsroom, Kenzie Marjot, uh, the former Kenzie Bales, uh, who uh, has been with uh, our organization since she was a teenager and an intern. Uh, since Hank Aaron died, Barry Bonds has resurfaced. Do you think once these old school baseball writers eventually die, that Bonds will be finally inducted into the Hall of Fame? 20 second answer, yes or no, Chris? Uh, yeah, I think he will get into the Hall of Fame at some point, not by the writers. He only has one more year on the baseball writers uh, ballot, but I do think the Veterans Committee will give him the pass in and he will deserve it because to me, he's the greatest hitter I've personally seen in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, Alex, I can hear Kenzie saying this in the news. Once they all die. <laughs> what Chris said. <laughs> Boom. That's it. Mailbag. If you want to be a part of it, it's every single Sunday. Chris up us up the mailbag on Twitter at by Chris Murray. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, I had to save some time because we're some foodies. What's the favorite pizza in Northern Nevada? We're going to ask the guys next. Well, we try to add things to this show that are a little spicy or, or to our websites. And this one, uh, I said, you know what? I, I got takeout on Monday from Blind Onion. And I said, what are my favorite pizzas in Reno? And I threw out there, Blind Onion, Smiling with Hope, uh, Pizza Reno, uh, JJ's Pie Company and New York Pizza, and I'm—I mean, I'll defend all five of those to the end. But uh, got some great conversation. I made sure that it, this is not a rankings. Don't at me, as the kids What's say. What's number one, Brian? What's number one? Uh, you know, the number one is the one I have. Maybe what, what was the last one I ate? Is probably <laughs> uh, Chris. Let's start with you when it comes to pizza in our area. What's your favorite? Give me, give me some of your favorites. Domino's. <laughs> no kidding. Nah, I, actually, I don't mind Domino's Pizza, but I'm obviously not going to put that on the list. We have it too often as members of the media before a Nevada basketball game. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's the thing. When you go to Nevada basketball games, they got boxes of Domino's out there. Uh, you know, South Creek down here in South Reno is really mm -hmm. good. Um, yeah, I, I know that's a chain, but the Grimaldi's out at the marina is, is uh, amazing. Uh, a Noble Pie just opened up uh, not too long ago down here in the, the South Summit area. So we'll go there on occasion. 
And we've got a little local place, Lamppost Pizza, which is right down the street. So, um, you know, I love all the ones on your list. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really discern too much when it comes to pizza, but, uh, you know, the one that wasn't on your list, I thought, you know, you might want to try is South Creek. That's a really, really cool place over there. Um, you know, uh, I don't know the exact name of the shopping center right there, but, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice little cool place. So it's like Yosha's Cafe and all that kind of yeah. stuff. That one was mentioned. Uh, Boulevard Pizza was mentioned. Um, nobody mentioned Sizzle Pie. Uh, Alex, have you been to Sizzle Pie? I've never been there. Sizzle Pie is all right. It's not bad. Right. Okay. okay. What about you? Okay. Give me your some of your list. Well, I'll I will I will definitively say that Smiling with Hope is the best pizza in Northern Nevada. Like, yeah. there's to me like if you want a real deal New York style pizza, like I mean he's from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? It's and and does it right. Plus the whole story behind it. Uh, is amazing, you know, employing um, people with special needs and his background and his wife and they used to tour and he used to play with BB King. I mean, there's just so many layers to that place, but their pizza is unbelievable. I'll go with Chris too. South Creek is great. And then um, I do like Noble Pie. You know, they've got the best wings in, in Reno, hands down. So, uh, you know, if you want a slice of pizza with your with the best wings, you go to Noble Pie. And then uh, if I'm going to add another, like kind of um, that brick oven, you know, kind of, kind of high-end pizza, you, you throw in uh, Liberty on downtown as well. Mark Estes throwing some good pizzas down there at his spot. And they even have the take and bakes, which I was messing around with a lot during quarantine. You pop them into the oven or a pizza oven or something. They're like eight bucks. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, so Liberty's got, got it going on as well downtown. See, some of the stuff that I've, I've threw into this list was even part of the experience, you know, it kind of depends on what you want. Uh, you know, if I feel like a blind onion, it's because of the crust. And everybody talks about having honey with their pizza. I've never been a big honey guy on pizza, but apparently they say it's glorious. I've, I've never done that. Pizza Reno, outside of quarantine, you, you'll have to call to find out what their protocol is with the COVID, is they have a little patio outside and you can people watch on Second Street. And it's, I mean, downtown Reno people watching is great in the first place. But if you got pizza and some wings uh, is great. Um, if there's time when I want something with garlic, New York pizza, I get the slice of garlic and a soda and it's like, what, five bucks? I don't even think it's that much. Smiling, we hope you mentioned it's such a great, great thing. Uh, Walter and Judy have done such a great thing. They are closed now through January with uh, being very optimistic about opening. And JJ's, for me, JJ's, I, I think JJ's has my favorite sandwich in the city. My good friend, Brian Catlett, introduced me to JJ's Pie Company. We have pizzas and I look up, there's a sandwich called a hot one and it's baked roast beef, Swiss cheese melted with jalapenos on a buttered piece of French bread. And if you like jalapenos and heat, it's delicious. It is fantastic. But uh, thanks to everybody who weighed in. If you want to read the full story, it's on our website. That's nevadasportsnet.com. Coming up next after the break, Nevada has gained a seven-footer. He is in the silver and blue. We heard what uh, Coach Alford has to say about Will Baker joining the team. That's next. Well, guys, we continue to see the Alford effect. Uh, previous relationships that he's established with players while at UCLA and recruiting there. Grant Sherfield is a product of that. And now Will Baker uh, adding a seven-footer with uh, with some great skill set, Chris, to the roster. Uh, that's pretty cool. And Alford's pretty stoked. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who committed January 2nd, but he hadn't been announced yet. And every time uh, Steve Alford would have a, a press conference, I'd kind of ask the SID, hey, can I, you know, ask about Will Baker yet? He has to be cleared before uh, Coach Alford can comment or it's an NCAA violation. So good to see he's actually officially a part of the Wolfpack. He should uh, join the, the team this upcoming week and start practicing with them. Won't be eligible until mid-semester next year unless they get a waiver. But yeah, a skilled seven-footer. And whenever you can get a guy like that who was a top 40 unanimous recruits uh, coming out of high school you take him it wasn't, wasn't the most um productive player at texas but you know sometimes just it, it takes a little bit longer to develop so i think he's going to get a, a great chance here uh, to really blossom with the wolfpack play a lot of minutes and it shows you how important his time coach alford's at ucla has paid dividends for his time at nevada i mean grant shorefield was committed to ucla will baker his runner-up coming out of high school was ucla and that's why those two came to nevada is because they had been recruited by steve alford before so uh you know it'll be interesting now as he gets a little bit further away from ucla kind of the caliber of recruit he's able to bring to nevada but so far his time at ucla has really been able to bring two really really talented players into the wolfpack fold Alex, where do you see him fitting in next year? I mean, we, I don't know if Nevada's going to have enough long jerseys to, to have all these big men. I mean, granted, his skill set is much different than Warren Washington. He's a guy who's going to step out and want to shoot the three. Maybe more like a Nick Bazikas. And I'm not going to ever compare somebody to the GOAT without second thinking it. But where do you see him fitting in? I think you just make it fit, right? Like, I don't think he needs to fit into, like, you know, um, Nevada is going to make it fit based on their personnel. And I think you start looking at what they've got, you know, they, they mix things around and, and I mean, it'd be pretty fun to watch him and Warren Washington on the court at the same time. I mean, think about those kind of two towers that you'd have to kind of go through. Uh, and, and like you said, there's a the different kind of skill set with both of those guys. So I think it just, the depth it adds is huge. Um, the versatility it adds, I think the style of basketball changes. Um, I think it just makes Nevada a tougher team to try and prepare for because there are then going to be a couple different ways that they can come at you. There's going to be different ways they can defend against you. And, uh, you know, I think there's one thing we can trust is that coach Alford's going to know what to do. You know, he's going to know what to do with, with that personnel and with a, with a, a size like that and, and a skill set like that. And, and um, you know, it is exciting to see, you know, his recruiting, even at, at past stops kind of paying dividends now and those relationships paying off. And, and I think, this probably is not uh, not the end of that. You know, you're probably going to see this continue over the next couple of years. And, and not only the the relationships maybe with kids that you have that he had at UCLA, but just thinking about the network that Coach Alford has and, and, and his ability, you know, with all the different uh, places he can go around the country and know, you know, kind of where to tap into the pulse of that. You know, Nevada is going to have a lot of talented players coming their way in the next five, 10 years. I always kind of wondered, how in the heck does New Mexico get all of these players during the Alford area. Now I'm convinced it is Steve Alford. It is Craig Neal. That's the reason why in the future is definitely bright. We'll be right back to wrap things up here on NSN daily right after this. That's all the time we have for NSN daily today on the show tomorrow. Rail city Todd will join us with his very, very early NFL picks. And they've got some great giveaways going on over at rail city. And uh, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Let's find out what's going on. And they have a new special over there named after a, uh, a certain sports network that we uh, that we're a part of for Alex for Chris for Anthony I'm Brian we'll see you tomorrow